this information and saying, hey, we got X amount of fans in this place and X amount of fans in this place and X amount of fans in this place. Let's go book shows. Let's go party. This is Blair Durham with Black Wall Street Today, your media hub for all things black entrepreneurship, politics, news, and events in Hampton Roads and beyond. When I say black, y'all say Wall Street. Black. Wall Street. Black Wall Street. When I say black, y'all say Wall Street. Black. Black. Welcome, welcome, welcome to this edition of Black Wall Street Today with Blair greetings, Durham. Greetings, this greetings. is episode 30. I am so super excited. This is a very special edition. We are focused on the business of black music today. And just by way of context, I do want to share that the very first Black-owned record label was actually founded in New York in 1921 by the name of Black Swan. It was the first Black-owned record company in the country. Its 1923 ad campaign wasn't just a marketing ploy. The label's founder saw Black Swan's recordings as an alternative to Black popular music. The vaudeville-era minstrel songs were made by Black people, sure, but not necessarily for them. Black Swan offered listeners a choice between the stereotypes and before of race records and high quality music meant to entertain and uplift. In other words, Black Swan was interjecting a political and cultural stance into popular entertainment. I am super excited to announce today's special guest. First up is Mr. Brandon Name Brand Bass. Brandon was born in Fayetteville, North Carolina and raised in Richmond, Virginia. He is a music producer and has been creating music since the age of 13. Getting a start making beats for his brother, Michael Millions, Name Brand has become one of RVA's most well-known and sought-after producers. He describes his sound as an eclectic fusion of funk, old-school hip-hop, and raw musical instrumentation, with influences such as Dr. Dre, Pharrell, Kanye West, Nortz, and Timberland. Name Brand brings a fresh and innovative approach to the art of music production. And also joining Name Brand is Michael Millions. Michael Bass, better known as his stage name, Michael Millions, is an American rapper and songwriter from Richmond, Virginia. He's the co-founder of Purple Republic Music Group. Purple Republic is a Richmond, Virginia-based audio production company that specializes in audio recording, mixing, mastering, and songwriting. Gentlemen, welcome. Hey, thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. We invite you to join us as we have this conversation. We're going to be talking about everything from getting your music copywritten to uh, really engaging in negotiations, touring, just how it is that you're able to protect what's yours. So I'm excited okay. because y'all have like toughed this thing out. Y'all have survived. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, that's the conversation I want to have. Can you give us just some context for your music story? Um, well, uh, like you said in the, I guess the, the introduction, um, I'm from Richmond, Virginia, born in Fairville, North Carolina, but we lived in Richmond the longest. And, um, Richmond is just, a, um, a really just a, I don't want to just say beautiful place, but it's like an artsy place. And if you're from there, you know, the texture, you know, the, the vibe of the city. Um, but as far as music is concerned, um, you know, it's not, we're, we're not the 757, we're not the beach. We don't have, uh, we don't have a beach. We don't have a major sports team. We don't have um, a lot of major attractions that brought people down this way. Um, so Richmond, I think, always got looked over, you know, as far as music, um, as far as just a lot of different things. So we're kind of like the, 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 for lack of a better phrase, products of our environment musically, 
you know we're the product of artists that may have been under the radar but are really good and represent the city and do a lot for the city and like and, and mold mold its culture so um brandon do you have something to add to that i mean i think just in regards to like you know we kind of started our audio firm that's what i like to call it purple republic after um you know, we were involved with the uh, music situation. We were signed to a label called Downland Entertainment, and that uh, that entity kind of folded. So we ended up going out and starting our own um, engineering firm, and we started, you know, recording our own music. Mike being our very first artist that you know we kind of really, you know, started pushing. Um, but wow. I just think at the end of the day, um, you know, it, it really was something that we had to take on ourselves because, you know, in Richmond, there aren't that many spots, you know, at least when we were coming up, that was really, uh, I guess, giving us the quality music that we wanted and that we needed. So we really started, and shout out to Hampton, because, I mean, we started it here in Hampton, you know, oh, so really? I, I lived uh, right off of Magruder, um, and in my apartment, uh, we started um, Purple Republic so it, it would be my bathroom and we would throw up these sheets to kind of dampen the sound and you know create the soundproof booth and I bought you know the Mac and all that so Mike would come down on the weekends and we would you know pretty much record all our music and so it all started you know here in Hampton you know I mean, wow. in Hampton Virginia so um, huh. while I'm while, while I'm more, let me just say this real quick um, yeah please um I'm, 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 I'm from. Well, I went to Norfolk State University, and I'm glad to be here in, in at HU. But you know, what I'm saying I got to give out a, a nice behold the green and gold because I feel like we done infiltrated the system just now. You got to get here us in, in trouble. Over here, My goodness, being here in Hampton, so I had to do it one time for the Spartans. Oh wow! <laughs> <laughs> it's all love. It's all love. Man, what an incredible story, though, just to hear that, you know, you kind of started under somebody else's banner mm -hmm. and for various reasons needed to figure out how to start your own. Yeah. What is that process like? Because I know a lot of listeners know people that need to figure the same thing out. Um, how it, you, I mean, how it's, you create a, an audio firm? How do you do this? I mean, you, you definitely need to have the passion for it. It starts there. Um, sure. You need to have a passion. You need to know what it is, what you want to deliver. Um, with us, I knew what I wanted to, to deliver as an artist. And um, through um, that journey, we were able to open doors to a sound where people not only were, were appreciating our music, but they were appreciating the quality and the level and the time we were putting into making the sound, making our sound sound as good as it did, um, as good as it does. And, sure. um it just became, I mean, I'm passionate about it. I'm no brands passionate about it. So it only made sense for us to like push that forward. So we began working with all of our closest friends, the Radio Bs, the mm. Nicholas Fs, uh, the Easy Leos, the, um, the Cole Hicks, uh, the, the, and it's a slew of artists, the Joey Gallows. There's so many local uh, Richmond artists that uh, we started working with um, first. And um, and then that branched off, and even even to today, I work with so many different artists, um, in and well around the country now. Just 
just because they they they're seeking a particular sound or they they're seeking a particular uh, I guess they're looking for care. But how did we get there? We yeah, it just you know you gotta follow your path. You know you gotta follow that path. How to tell someone to do something? I'm gonna you ask did, a, I don't a know. more direct question. Yeah, yeah, but before yeah. I do that, <laughs> if you just tuned in. This is Blair Durham with Black Wall Street Today. Uh, we are sitting with Name Brand and Michael Millions. Uh, Michael is a recording artist. Name Brand is a producer. They are with the Purple Republic music group that they actually founded. And we're having a conversation about the business of music. I got to ask this. So nuts and bolts, right? You're starting an audio firm. Mm-hmm. Is that... What kind of entity is that? Is that an LLC? Is that a like how are you how are you doing business from a I mean, business it's, standpoint? It's, I, mean, I think all businesses from when you know everybody's going to start out, we're coming into it as a limited liability. Sure, for okay. The thing, for, okay. For what we are, people need to know this. I'm yeah, t- I mean that's just more like, so from the business side of the sure. house. You know, when you're doing you when you crunching. When you're doing numbers and handling out the legal stuff, you know, yeah. you want to make sure you're not like taking on more of a responsibility than you can handle. Mm-hmm. But and what the, kind of team is necessary from that vantage point? So did you have to immediately seek legal support or or what, you know, what what other I know you had your friendships, which you ultimately yeah, turned to um, create in the music. Well, being in the music business, it's always good to have a lawyer. I do have a lawyer. Um, that watches over pretty much my stuff and has been watching over my stuff for a while. Um, and that's pretty much all you need is a good lawyer in the music industry. I mean, wow. as far as just, you need somebody to be able to read the contracts if they're presented to you. You okay. need somebody that understands how your publishing works, how to negotiate um, those terms on your, yeah, your splits and things like that when records are pushed out or produced. Um, what 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 type of splits are you know it, it it gets really deep i'm not sure if we could get that deep into it here but um as far this as the team <laughs> as far as the team is concerned um it's just brandon and i we do the hands-on work you know we we take our time use our ears and our skills and our expertise and you know that's really what it is it's not it's not something i, I think that people could just jump into mm-hmm. um you know i you know i i i'm a i write music i help engineer music and master music but i've never made a made a track you know i you know I, i've tried but it's not something that's in me um and it's you know from the same thing standpoint yes yeah, from um but from you know it's the same thing like sitting down to engineer a record from start to finish whether you're recording um, from from the tracking of the vocals to the mixing of the vocals, you know, finishing the record. These are this is a skill. These are tools that you're using, and you have to understand the science of sound to do that. So it does take a particular passion um, to like, you know, get yourself to that space. Um, Let me interject this as well, uh, just to get some context for folks that may be listening yeah. and may not be familiar with the Michael music, Michael Million sound. Yeah. How many albums have you guys produced? Well, personally, in my catalog that are available right now, there there are eight projects out right now. My latest is called Hard to Be King, and that's 
probably the most notable one, but I mean, it's the latest one out. Um, to date, I think as a company, we're in the like 60s as far as albums. I almost want to say we're probably a little bit more than that. I mean, because we, like I said, we started out here in Hampton and that was a time where, you know, people would come every weekend to record their projects and record their sessions. So I know between the time that we were here uh, in Hampton and the time where I went back to Richmond, I know I probably worked on at least 20 different, you know, projects or 20 different releases. And I have my own releases myself as far as instrumental albums that I put out. I recently just put out an album called Grace and then another one uh, prior to this one called uh, Chatham Grove. But, you know, I think I might have six, you know, projects that I might have out there right now. So just between me and Mike, you know, we have at least 13, 14 albums between the two of us. And then, like I said, that doesn't even count, you know, the people, just the different artists that we've worked with over the years. Um, so I, I guess to kind of piggyback off what you were saying, just as far as, um, you know, it takes a lot of passion to be in, in this uh, this field or into this space because um, you really have to do a lot of uh, searching for information on your own. You know, mm. of course, we all know about YouTube. And that's and sort of YouTube. the purpose of this platform, right? Right, Because right. nobody really knows which information is reputable. Right, 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 right. And right. from the two of you with 15 plus years right. of experience. Right, right. I mean, I mean you know, good. but like I said, I think a lot of it was trial and error, you know, sure. from, you know, especially in the early days, it's a lot of trial and error. Um, but as we've kind of gone through, you know, the process, you know, of course, YouTube University is great. You, you know, you can mm -hmm. find a lot of great <laughs> tutorials out there that can help you out. Sure. Um, but at the same time, it's just really being passionate about it. And it's not, I think a lot of people oftentimes get into this space for the money. You know what I mean? They're like, oh, let's just put out some songs and or let's, you know, record this person and just take their money. But you have to really work with people who genuinely care about how you sound. And I think being that me and Mike kind of started off from a space of, just working on his music mm -hmm. and the, the main purpose was to create the best sound for him and then that just kind of spread out to working with other artists so we kind of always started from a foundation of just making sure that we wanted to make sure our music sounded good you know mm -hmm. and then as we kind of like i said work with different artists it kind of you know because you work with different artists some artists may have like a heavy bass voice you know some artists may have a you know a high a high pitch voice so you have to be able to know how to mix and you have to be able to know how to master for that type of you know vocal you know and and it's there's different genres of hip-hop you know of course there's you know your regular boom bap you know type hip-hop that we're all familiar with and then you got the trap sound that you know is really popular nowadays so we really have to kind of be able to, you know, be able to mix and master in accordance to what that particular artist wants. So it's not just like a one size fits all type of thing when you sitting down and you're mastering somebody's project or you, you're mixing somebody's project. You have to be in tune with what they want and then you have to know how to deliver that. And that only comes from really working with a whole Experience. bunch of... Right. Yeah. So, and that's the thing about it. I think between Mike and I, we just have a lot of experience of working with, you know, different artists, different sounds, and you know, we're able to kind of, you know, pull it all together for people. So, cool. we got about four minutes till our first break. If you've just tuned in, 
Hi, this is Blair Durham with Black Wall Street Today talking with Michael Millions and Name Brand about the business of black music. Okay. Really digging in. Like, yeah. What is this thing made of? I mean, I think now, we turn I think our radio, some of the, we hear this finished project. We don't know. Now, I think a lot of... Um, now, the business of black music, I know we probably spoke a lot on, like, trying to give you a brief story, but, like, here's the business of black music. Uh, black music is not selling as it, sh- as it used to sell. Um, that's the business of black music. It's, wow. it's evolving. It's evolving into more of us owning our own records. Um, it's evolving into more of us owning and producing. Uh, uh, creating more platforms for ourselves to have our music exposed to our natural fan bases where we could serve them as a customer or, um, of our music, you know, whether it's they're buying our physical CDs, whether it's CDs, cassettes or vinyls or buying our merchandise or, you know, we really studying the analytics behind um, where our music is selling. A lot of these platforms like Spotify, iTunes, even SoundCloud, if you pay for the services, open up the door to allow you to see your engagements and um, hmm. and allow you to see your see where your music is actually being played. And these plays, you know, you may see X amount of thousand people, number, you know, X amount of thousand streams, but you really have to bust it down into these are numbers. And that's what artists, not just black artists, but artists in general, we're, we're studying these days. Now, was black artists where these record labels have really, really not given us the right opportunities. We're now, you know, through certain platforms, able to take some of the power back and have better conversations when we sit down at these tables. Um, we are now owning our masters. Me and Brandon have always owned the masters to our music, but a lot of a lot of artists are now that were recently signed to labels. Um, they do have um, that now, but yeah. So in, we're studying in algorithm. Two minutes. Yeah, can you two tell minutes. Tell us what does it mean to own your yeah. master? All right, so give us an all right, example. All right, so here, this is real quick. In two minutes, this is how it goes. I'm the artist. I write the song. My brother makes the beat. The record label say we're signed to a record label. The record label pays for that. We own that piece of it. Once the engineer mixes it down and sounding uh, really good, they send it off to a mastering engineer. Once the mastering engineer gets it sounding really good, that part of it, that part of the process, that finished record is all the record label really owns. That that's what they want to own because that's the record that actually is sent out into the world. That's the one that's on the radio. That's the one on the TV. That's the one on the CD. That's the portion of the album that that record labels own they physically own that piece so you could do all the writing all the all the other steps but the final piece of it is the master and these are what artists are buying back from the labels because this is the final product and they could say and do whatever they want with these masters including determining how much they pay you for them so and from um, and maybe the distribution as well Everything. I mean, they own the final product. When you sign it over, they own it. Wow. Even if you write it, they can say, you know, thanks for writing this. We are going to only pay you 15% of this whole thing. And, you know, so, yeah. Um, so, yeah, owning masters now is, is probably, I, I think it's, you know, I think it's trending, but it's a good trend for artists to own their music 100%. Mm-hmm. Well, um, if there were a downside to it, what would that be? 
There's no downside. The only downside, the only downside, if you're looking at it from a record label perspective, is you can't have that conversation if you don't know what you're talking about. And they might not sign you because you want your masters and you want all of your publishing. You know, they, you know, so it's still a business. It's a record business. They want money off of the artist. But being able to stand on your own tune as an independent and say, hey, you know, this is mine. That's good. Yep. Man, this is fascinating. I, I'm getting a lot out of it. I hope <laughs> Sorry, you guys I are. <laughs> I had to run that through that. No, this is good. Special edition of Hashtag Add This to the List, we are featuring the Carolina, Virginia Minority Supplier Development Council and its president and CEO, Ms. Dominique Simpson-Milton. Uh, she uh, obviously leads this company. And prior to assuming this role in June of 2018, Milton served as the director of corporate services for the CVMS DC, overseeing an affiliate office of the council in Charleston, South Carolina. Along with her experience as a business owner, Milton also brings more than 35 years of corporate experience to the council. Welcome, Dominique. How are you? Thank you so much for having us here, Blair. Thank you so much. We also have with us Miss Kathy Williams, who is the business diversity and government administration manager for Ferguson. Welcome, Miss Kathy. Thank you, Blair, for having She's us. She's trying to avoid the mic, but we're not going to let that happen. So a lot of us have not heard of the council. Talk to us about what the council does um, and what you guys have coming up. So um, two things. A lot of people, like as you said, have not heard of the council. And we are a national advocacy group for minority business owners. Um, NMSDC is our national partner, and there are 23 different councils throughout the United States. I just happen to be the president of the Carolinas, Virginia Minority Supply Got Development it. Council. Okay. And so our sole purpose, Blair, is... Say the name of the national entity again. National Minority Supplier Development Council, Got NMSDC. And so our sole purpose is basically to create wealth, Blair. Um, we take minority business owners and we help develop them and connect them with supply chain opportunities with our major corporations. Nationwide, we have over 13,000 members. Um, most of your major corporations are our corporate partners. And then minority business owners sign up to be members and get certified that they truly are minority business owners. And then we help connect them with those opportunities. Fantastic. Yes. <laughs> Which explains why you are obviously working with Ferguson. Exactly. She, okay. Ferguson is one of our corporate partners, and they are actually the sponsor, the title sponsor of our event that we have coming up here in August in Virginia, which is why I'm glad you've invited us here today. Thank On you so August, much. Tell us about it. Yeah, August 5th and 6th, we're going to have our largest event. It's called our Business Opportunity Conference, and that is a, a conference where we bring together speakers, we bring together trainers for workshops, we have matchmaking opportunities for our members where they Perfect. can kind of do speed dating, you know, you sit down mm -hmm. and in one room all the people that you want to do business with are there. You mm -hmm. can do this on your own, but you have to make onesie twosie appointments, right? So yeah. we bring everybody together in one room so that you can meet with the Fergusons and the Altrias and the Capital Ones of the world mm -hmm. in that setting. So we are expecting wow. about 350 to 400 people Wonderful. to join us. Again, August 5th and 6th, Ferguson is our title sponsor, along with the Virginia Department of Economic Development. Okay, and where is this event going to be held? It's going to be held at Virginia Beach. The first day, we're going to have a golf tournament. 
at the okay. Princess Anne Golf Course, which is a private course. So it's, you know, it's going to be a really nice event. Uh, then we kick off with a, an award ceremony where we recognize all of our corporate partners and MBEs who had outstanding accomplishments in the year. So we'll have that that Monday evening and we have a, a, a live auction. And we just hired an auctioneer, an African-American auctioneer nice. out of this area who's going to lead the auction. Um, and that's a scholarship program so that we can provide scholarships for our MBEs to get educational um, development. Um, and then the next day we have some workshops. And I'm really excited to announce that our national president, Adrian Trimble, will be joining us for this conference. Wonderful. And she'll be our keynote speaker for the luncheon. Okay. So we got a luncheon going on. So I got Friday. No. Monday. Is it Monday, Tuesday? It's Monday, Tuesday. August so 5th Monday, and 6th. Monday, the golf tournament. Mm-hmm. Right, it's kind of the lead-in. Exactly. And then that evening, you're doing the awards piece with the auction. Awards piece with the auction. And exactly. Then Tuesday is training, training, yes. development, speakers. We're going to have a reverse trade show. So our MBEs, MBE stands for Minority Business Enterprise. Yes. Our MBEs will be showcasing their products and services, and then they're going to go into a matchmaking session where they'll have preset appointments to meet with those companies that they want to do business with. Wow. And your national president is coming in. Yes. And she okay, she so just joined us. All this year. down so yeah. I can share this with everyone please I know. Please <laughs> she just joined us this year. She came from Toyota. Okay. Um, she's been with Toyota for years and years. And so we are excited as a council to have her leadership um, to be able to improve and advance the work that we do. Because, you know, a lot, like you said in the beginning, a lot of people don't know what we have to offer. And if you're a business owner and you're struggling to make it, mm-hmm. then you can't do all this on your own. There are companies out there that are available to help you, develop you, connect you, and advocate for you you and folks need to understand how to sign up for that you know for membership an MBE might pay us let's just say $400 to become a member of our organization well we offer we turn around and offer that MBE a scholarship in the value of about $5,000 to attend University of Richmond Tuck to help them really pull their business plan apart and redevelop and, and strategize on where they need to go that's invaluable investment in that MBE let me ask you this because um, I know this question is going to come up. What types of industries um, typically benefit the most from your membership? So I'm glad you asked the question. It really depends on where the MBE is. You know, Kathy, you know, she, we just had a conversation earlier today and she needs construction folks. You know, she needs people okay. who, you know, can do concrete, can do steel. Um, we need construction people. You need people who understand how to navigate in the federal space. Okay. Um, you need... Um, IT people. I mean, it, it spans the whole entire spectrum. So I don't want anybody to be discouraged about, you know, okay, I, I just offer paper or I offer cleaning supplies. You can be, you can get a cleaning project to clean all of Hampton University, right? You can mm-hmm. get a cleaning project to clean all of um, Capital One, or you can provide all the paper products to a particular company. We have one MBE who provides all the paper products um, to, to Belks. It's like a $5 million contract. Okay, huge. huge. And we have another MBE. I like to tell this story. We had this MBE and he was um, a smaller business and he went out on the golf course for one of our events and he was talking to Altria and he didn't think he'd get anything out of it because Altria is a cigarette manufacturing company and he produces small plastic parts. So he was telling the gentleman what he does and, and the guy says, well, I want to take a look at your company. Within two weeks, he had an order for 30,000 plastic parts to go into one of their machines. Now, he's a tier one supplier to BMW. 
providing parts for them. So you never know where you can end up if you are very intentional about making those connections and following up and making sure that you present your company uh, from a valuable perspective. Because Kathy here, you know, when you call her up, she doesn't want to necessarily hear that you're an MBE. She wants to hear what value you bring to the table. And once you can bring that value and meet her supplier needs, then you can grow within her company. Love it. As usual, taking copious notes. Super excited. So does the uh, does the local council have a chapter that meets here regularly? Excellent question. Yes, we do. So we have ring meetings. It's called a regional industry needs group. Okay. And those meetings are held every other month. Um, sometimes they're held over the phone. Sometimes they're held face to face. But, um, you know, if you contact us through cvmsdc.org, we can put you in contact with Kathy. And Kathy is on the leadership team for this ring, um, and you can attend those meetings. We also hold... Those are membership meetings, or are those open to the general public? They are open. They are open. So we have, um, once a month, we'll have a pre and a post session. And that pre-session introduces potential new customers to our programs and services. And they can come to those meetings, learn about the council... Um, and then once they learn about the council and they start to become members, they can join the ring meeting or they can come to the ring meeting just as informational um, to find out, is this something that I want to do? And, you, and so we can allow them that information. Great. I'm very excited about the uh, the conference. Can we also get tickets at cvmsdc.org? You absolutely can. You can register there. We are looking for volunteers to help us out. And if you volunteer, you can come for free. Still seeking volunteers. Mm-hmm. Anything else? Are you still looking for, sounds like you've got your sponsorship covered. Are you still looking for MBs that might want to vend during the reverse trade show? So we don't have any vendors or? there. So our, our folks in the reverse trade show are already our members. They're members. Mm-hmm. Okay. But we're, we're always looking for sponsors to help right. us in sure. this endeavor. Okay. So still seeking sponsorships. What else do you want to tell us about it? So, you know, I, I like to frame it up because some people still don't get it. They don't really understand what we oh do. Oh, my goodness. Gosh. So, so I like to say, you know, and that... Oh, maybe break down, you know, how it is that a company like Ferguson has a supplier diversity sort of department. Mm-hmm. Um, and then how it Kathy, is... Kathy, you want to answer that? Yeah. So the value for us, uh, because we get that question all the time, why are we a part of the council? And so as a organization that's global, our headquarters are here in Hampton Roads, uh, you know, we are a department of two, but we're small and mighty. But we also align ourselves with our procurement department, so it's a much bigger department. But when we talk about the value proposition, because we talk about that all the time, you know, with the council, there is a stringent uh, certification process where they vet the vendors. So those vendors, when they approach Ferguson to entertain an opportunity, uh, we feel confident that we know that we're getting quality suppliers. So when you talk about, and I keep coming back to the value proposition in this and why we're part of it, we've been with them for about 13 plus years um, with the council. Uh, it goes back to the quality of the vendors. We know that they have the opportunity to grow and scale. Uh, not everyone's going to get an opportunity. And we talk about contracts, and so we're very transparent and upfront. But we know what type of quality of, of suppliers that we're getting. So, great. 
great. That's awesome. You want to wrap up for yeah, us? Yeah, and there, there are people like this, like Kathy, in every corporation. You have somebody in the supply chain that's looking to improve the supply chain options that exist. Mm-hmm. But I do want to close with this because, as I said earlier, some people just don't get it. So, you know, we've all heard that old adage, you know, give a man a fish and he eats for a day teach a man a fish and he eats for a lifetime. We'd like to take it further than that, Blair. We want to teach people to fish, but we also want them to develop fisheries, develop fleets of fish, okay? Develop fishing processing plants, okay? And be able to provide that fish then to the grocery chains and get those contracts. Mm -hmm. So that's what we're talking about. Taking it larger than just taking care of yourself, building wealth for your family. We're building wealth for communities. Because we we miss that piece. We're missing that. We, We don't know how to scale. We know how to take the money that we have Thank you. Start something small and do it on the side. But when it comes time to really build something significant, we get stuck there. We don't know how to access capital. We don't know what the supply diversity pieces look like. So I want to thank you both for your time today. This is phenomenal. We're all getting registered. CVMSDC.org. That is correct. For uh, tickets to the August 5th and 6th Business Opportunity Conference, right? There you go. Thank you so much. Awesome. Thank you so much. We look forward to seeing you back. All right. Soon. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. A couple of other quick announcements here. Uh, We do have the Women's Business Symposium happening on Saturday, May the 4th. We're actually going to be giving away tickets to that event. If you haven't heard about it, it is being hosted by Tawana Golson, uh, and it features uh, Dr. Lynn Richardson as well as MC Light. It is a full day of training. I talked to the host just this morning and wow, unbelievable panel sessions uh, for for emerging business owners, existing business owners to be able to glean what's necessary to move their businesses forward. So I know that one panel uh, features sort of your client team, right? So everybody that you need in terms of accounting, in terms of legal, in terms of insurance. Um, so it Again, I highly encourage registration. It is womensbusinesssymposium.net. I know that there is an app for the symposium as well. Again, it's being hosted by the business magnate mogul, uh, Ms. Tawana Golson, and it features Dr. Lynn Richardson as well as uh, MC Light. That's happening right here in the Hampton Roads area if you're tuning in from our home base. Um, it's going to be Saturday, May the 4th from 9 to 5 p.m., at the main hotel by next week i should be in position to give away a few tickets so make sure you stay tuned in welcome back name brand mike millions yes we're back yes 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 man you guys dropped some jewels i'm still thinking about what it means to um own my own masters oh yeah and why that's such a critical piece did you want to chime in there brandon Uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, I think at the end of the day... um, Because a lot of us think something that Michael was alluding to earlier, we might miss the deal, right? mm -hmm. If we're not in position to be taken advantage of. Right. But that doesn't have to necessarily be the case, right? Right. So, I mean, typically nowadays people uh, sign to major label deals because for the distribution aspects of it, they also sign to major label deals. Uh, because they know that they'll get that push behind their music. But um, like Michael was saying earlier, you know, when you have, um, you know, applications like SoundCloud, you have applications like Apple Music, 
and DistroKid and um, what's the TuneCore, all these different other sites that you can get your music up on. And you can pretty much handle the distribution yourself. Uh, like I said, it's a lot more legwork that comes in when you're being an independent artist out here. Uh, so, um, you know, it makes it it's a little bit difficult, but a lot of people tend to sign with ma uh, major labels. So therefore, they can have a company, a big name behind them. But what you end up losing and, you know, um, I know we all I'm sure we all familiar with Nipsey, Nipsey Hussle and his yeah. passing. But what was so critical and amazing about what he did was that he created partnerships instead of. Um, you know, completely giving up his masters to a major label deal. So what they would do was pretty much help him distribute his music, but he still owned 100% of his masters. So that's wow. what I think nowadays what artists are doing are creating their own basis, creating and engaging with their own fans. Mm -hmm. And through engaging with their own fans, you know, they're able to leverage that when meeting with these, you know, major labels. So therefore, they can, you know, ultimately be able to maintain their ownership of their music, but get that push, you know, from these major labels as far as the distribution aspect of it. Uh, I but, feel like, go ahead. No, 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 no. I mean, that's kind of the wrap up. But yeah, yeah I, know. I hear you saying that the Internet of things. Yeah, the Internet created, changed the game completely. Yeah, it's kind of in a lot of ways. Um, gotten rid of the need for that middleman. Right. 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 So. Right. And that's, I think ultimately that's what these major labels are kind of scrambling to do is how can we continue to be needed mm -hmm. within this industry? And, you know, so, you know, of course they had things like 360 deals where they were pretty much taking all the, you know, taking a certain percentage of anything the rapper did. If they had merch, they would take a percentage of that. If they had the album, they would take a percentage of that. Touring, they'll take a percentage of that. Uh, so that was like the wow. 360 deal and now people are kind of getting hip to it and they're like yo you know what why are we going to do this hey I'm going I'm to do my own tour mm -hmm. I'm going to do I'm going to sell definitely yeah, get absolutely. Into some of that. I'm going to do my own tour I'm going to do sell my own merch and I'm going uh, distrib to distribute my own music and when you work with these distribution uh, companies that they have like TuneCore or DistroKid like through DistroKid you can do your splits so like when me and Mike we do our music together you know, 50% of the record is his, 50% of the record is mine. So you can get down into that detail as far as, Using you know. Using an app, it sounds like. Well, it's, yeah, it's a website. You, you wow. create, you know, and you pay like, I don't know, like maybe 20, 30 bucks Mostly for the, okay. no, no, it's for the year. It's for okay. the year wow. and you can have unlimited, you know, projects released. And like I said, you kind of control that. And through that, they also provide you with the analytics. So you can sit there and say, Huh, I wonder how well am I doing on this particular platform, mm -hmm. Apple Music, how well am I doing on Spotify, how well am I doing on, you know, whatever, you know, uh, uh, streaming service, you know, you need. So therefore, you can really pinpoint exactly who your market is, who you're targeting, who uh, uh, is listening to you. And then you can also, from that information, take that data and be able to figure out how you're going to move in the future. Like, so... I think a lot of what's happening now is that a lot of the control is getting back into the artist's hands, which is a good thing. Um, but at the same time, the legwork that is associated with that is something that a lot of people don't, you know, account for. And they, you know, you can't really be lazy uh, when it comes to, uh, you know, pushing your own music out here. You have to really be on top of it and you have to not only just be 
you know, love the music and the creating of the music side because, you know, that's that's what you're selling. But you ha also have to kind of find some, you know, common ground or some some type of way to really focus in on the business side of it. Because, yeah. you know, a lot of artists nowadays, they focus on the music, 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 and then they kind of forget about the business, business, business. And then that's how you end up with people, you know, basically signing over their masters and not even realizing it because, um, you know, they're not really business savvy and they don't understand that. And they and do that's all that a problem in general for right, the community. We're right, just talking right. about it with the two ladies. Right. The business savvy isn't mm -hmm. there. I actually, um, I got a crash course in just how powerful media platforms are mm -hmm. when we started this one, right? right? I had somebody pretty much approach me and say, yo, I'll manage everything, you know, and we're going to pay you X percentage. It's a really tiny number. I'm like, well, nah. Right. <laughs> right. I'm not ready for that deal yet. Like, right. Let me figure out how I can engage with my audience. Let me see, you know, what it's right. going to be. And it was exactly what you described, a 360. Like, because mm -hmm. they knew as a result of doing this, I would be getting speaking engagements. They were right, you right. know. Right. But at the same time, it's like, yeah, let me, you know. But it's like you could do it on your own. You and can. you can take 100%. You, you know what I mean? So, you I mean, can. but at the end of the day, I'm not going to sit here and be like, yo, don't ever, you know, like I said, I mean, using Nipsey as an example, like he understood form of partnerships. Form of partnership. Yeah. It doesn't have to be, yo, like you're completely signing your soul over to a label. You know, you can really, like I said, be business savvy enough to understand the analytics of how well your music is performing in the world. So understand that. So therefore you could take that to the table mm -hmm. and leverage that. Mm -hmm. I think that that's, that's really good. where it's at. Uh, what the goal should be for up-and-coming artists today, artists in general, it should you should be trying to focus on making sure you maintain control of your creative work and, and don't relinquish that control for small change mm -hmm. because over the course of time, that's money that's going to continue to come in, you know. So... Got you. You know. I love that. So if you just tuned in, uh, Blair Durham with Black Wall Street Today talking about the business of music, the business of black music in particular, everything we talk about pertains to us, right? We're with uh, Name Brand and Michael Millions, uh, two Richmond artists who have successfully navigated this piece about independence, right? In the music industry and um, maintaining ownership. Uh, I definitely want to get into talking a little bit more about um, these streaming platforms uh -huh. and touring and then Brandon I want you to talk about because I, I love the way you engage with your audience you've got some creative things that you're doing that get the word out about you know your production ability right, right. Um, so I want to talk about both of those want to start yeah. first though Michael with um, sure yeah like hi you know I mean when I first saw you on Apple Music I'm like wow let's figure something <laughs> out how do you do that? Like, what well, is that process? Well, shoot, back in 2010 when um, my project Ashes and Samples went up, that was a deal actually that came through with, um, or, or an agreement with Apple. Um, at the time, TuneCore wasn't, TuneCore is a, also a, a di distribution platform for artists. Um, but at the time, it wasn't open to artists to just, you know, uh, upload their music and have it distributed for money. Um, you had to ask and they had to approve you. And then they, once you were approved, they, they sent you to TuneCore to manage your account there. Hmm. Um, so yeah, that, at that time, I mean, streaming wasn't even a 
I mean, buying digital music, that was like at the beginning of like, oh, we're going to start buying music again. Because um, there was a time frame where no one there was, was buying physical low, music. It was definitely a low, right? Yeah, Everybody so was just we were just trying to figure it all out and like, oh, wow, you can buy digital music at the time. You know, Apple was hot. So just to have, I mean, Apple's always going to be hot, but the the just having that platform uh being able to access that you know you know expose me to a lot of different people in different ways um they just thought that piece of it was cool now everyone can do it but that's so they've gotten rid of that middleman is what you're saying no you it's still it's go, even more middlemen now oh, you know what i mean but they're really? doing more of the service it's open to the public where you have like i said TuneCore, DistroKid, and there's a bunch of other services um, that help artists distribute their music so we get 100% of our royalties. Hmm. But before was not this, it, it wasn't a pathway to that. Um, you had to actually work with those platforms to get there. Now it's open, but this is how we get those numbers, those streaming analytics where we know where the music's being played so we know where to go play. <laughs> mm, so that's how you figure out that's the connection that's with the, the connection with Torrent go ahead right into that we got a minute but All right, give so, us that yeah, we're so, gonna have a break we're gonna come back we're gonna have that, like four more minutes that's cool yeah. so with I think with artists independent artists of today um, we're, we're studying where we're playing if, if we know we got X amount of fans in New York well, we gonna book a venue and we gonna play that show you know say you got a thousand fans in New York go book a venue for like 300 cap you know and fill it up. Take some photos. It looks cool, you know. Um, wow. If you got a thousand fans in Atlanta, go go book a room for four hundred people. You know, put four hundred people in there. And and I, I I say this, you know, to put this in scale. You there's certain artists um, that that tour all the time. And imagine this: um, most hip hop venues are only holding between. Um, a thousand I mean we'll say between 500 and a thousand people if you have two um, I'm sorry I'm, I think she has to cut the break we'll get back into it <laughs> yes yes we'll come back with how to fill a room based on your analytics from uh, from your streaming platforms this is dope if there was ever a time I was disappointed it is right now we got like four minutes with Mike Millions and Name Brand had a fascinating conversation over the break about what it means to know who your audience is. Give yeah. us a second. And we were, yeah, we were, you know, trying to tie that back into touring and uh, understanding the business side of things. Um, mainly, you know, and this is for any artists out there that's listening right now. The number one thing you need to know is to learn where your people are, where people are listening to your music. If you realize that you have 500 fans in the city of Atlanta, book yourself a venue that holds maybe 200 people and fill it up, you know? Um, and and with the math on that, you'll have to play Atlanta twice to, you know, see all of your fans. So that's what a lot of artists are doing now. We're just looking, we're compiling this information and saying, hey, we got X amount of fans in this place, and X amount of fans in this place, and X amount of fans in this place. Let's go book shows. Let's go play. Let's go see our fans. Let's go do business. And that um, starts with leveraging these platforms. Yeah, the platforms where because you're you actually selling your music. Because you can get the analytics that tell you where people are, are downloading from. Right. You can that tell them so where they're powerful. listening, how much they're listening, who they are, like how old they are. Um, where they are, what you know, and, and it gets even deeper. I'm sure these algorithms even go a step deeper to 
probably identifying exactly who these people are and wow. reaching out to and them. And then from there, like you mentioned, targeted ads on Facebook you that can, goes right to those folks. Yeah, yeah. So like, wow. it's like a restaurant. Restaurant. So you can make money in music as an independent. Yes, it is That's possible. Uh, the, the one wow. thing I think we haven't just, you know, made and spoke on is just, you know, make sure your music's good. Make sure your music's good <laughs> first. We and got one minute and yeah. I want Brandon to close on. Talk about what you do on Saturdays. Yeah. How you engage these artists yes. with your beats. Yeah, so um, every Saturday morning, uh, follow me, name brand underscore music, but every Saturday morning, I post uh, a video of me working on a beat that I made that Saturday morning. And I just think it's one of those type of things that I like to do in order to kind of engage with my followers, you know, let them know that I'm still out here, you know, working. And then it also works for me in the sense of when people want to, you know, purchase a beat from me, all they have to do is kind of go through my Saturday mornings just to see if I have their style, you know, of music that they may want. And then they kind of can go through there. And I, you know, you do contests too. Yeah, I do contests, you know, with artists. Uh, as far as, you know, I might do, um, what do I call it? The lyrical fitness test. Which so is dope. I, I do my Saturday morning beat, and that particular beat will be the um, beat that I'll use for the uh, lyrical fitness test. And then I'll just have artists who, you know, want to take on a challenge. And, and, and you know, they write their verse. They post it on their page. I repost it on mine. And, uh, you know, it's just a good way to kind of bring the community together, the hip-hop community. So organic, so yeah, creative. Yeah, creative. It's, it's just a way, you know, like I said, to touch and rap, you know, connect with people, connect with my people. You know, that's how. This yeah, is beautiful. So. Yeah, I'm seeing a part two soon. Yes, for sure. <laughs> later in the second quarter early in the third quarter I hope you guys will come back and share more of these jewels this is great I'm so excited for y'all stay with us online at Black Wall Street Today on Facebook and Black Wall Street Today on Instagram and then follow us on Twitter as well at BWS Today we look forward to talking again next week have a wonderful week I have said and I will continue to say that the most important priority for the black community is the black community, not a particular political party.